Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sing to the Lord, the podcast that breaks down how the Lutheran hymnody is preaching the gospel. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. What you're hearing is the hymn, Come to Me, All Pilgrims Thirsty. Welcome back to Sing to the Lord. We're in the thick of Lent now, week three, and we have Lars Olson and Zachary Brockoff with us today. Thanks for being here, guys. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks, Mason. It's good to be here in the midst of my pilgrim journey. Ah, yes. There it is. (laughs) Welcome ye pilgrims. That's right. Yes, the uh, third week and uh, the third Sunday in Lent, we are in John chapter 4, with uh, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. Uh, and Zachary, you are suggesting uh, the hymn for this week is ELW 777, Come to Me, All Pilgrims Thirsty. Yep, uh, it's a hymn. We finally have arrived at a hymn uh, here that we'll, we'll talk about that, um, as one of my church musician friends used to say, we have a live one. She's still living. (laughs) She's still living. Uh, uh, She's in her 80s, but she's still going. And uh, Dolores Duffner wrote this particular text. So we don't have to go too far back in history um, to know something about this text and tune. Um, It first actually appeared in um, 1982 and was sung to a different uh, tune that uh, most of us know, um, uh, Holy Manna, which is, uh, that would be, that would go like this. Come to me, all pilgrims thirsty, drink the water I will give. So this was its original setting, though I don't think she necessarily intended it for that. It's interesting that the hymn, as much as it is um, pretty obviously associated with this weekend's uh, gospel text, um, it appeared first um, uh, before it was ever in a in a general hymnal like this, in a collection of music for Christian funerals. <laughs> really? So, um, yeah, uh, it's sort of weird that way because I I have yet to uh, play or attend a funeral where somebody chooses to hear about the woman at the well at a funeral um, at a funeral. You know, <laughs> be because odd. it would take forever to read it. Yeah, one, right. <laughs> and we we'd like to be in and out in forty five minutes. So, I mean, if nothing else, and then my goodness, let's pile on a six stanza hymn. You know, so that's. Um, kind of in and of itself a challenge. But yeah, it, it appeared as a as a funeral hymn. Um, she, uh, despite all of that, very clearly um, uh, wanted to write this in response to uh, Jesus' conversation, encounter with this woman. And um, uh, she said this, um, that Jesus' words to the woman might well be addressed to each of us. And then she goes on to say, if we really understood the good that God wants to do for us, we would come to Christ gladly and freely to find life, refreshment, and forgiveness. And further, these gifts are offered in a 
she says, a special way at our Lord's table. So um, she wrote it um, particularly with this passage in mind, and so that's one of the reasons it seems appropriate for this. Um, but as I mentioned, it's, it's about as long as the gospel text for the weekend. Uh, it's six stanzas, and after um, you read the, the whole gospel reading, um, now we're going to stand up and sing forever <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, the way I think we can make this kind of work um, is that uh, the, the writer actually suggests that we split this up whether that's between choir and congregation or um, cantor and congregation, or even between members of the congregation, um, men, women, et cetera, um, that, that can be helpful in a way to break this up. Because in the long text, you have what are supposed words of, of Jesus, um, and then a refrain that actually is a, is a prayer. Um, so... In some way, to to not just sing this um, stanza one to stanza six without any break or breath <laughs> is is a good idea. Yeah, I mean that's not a bad suggestion. Um, I look through this hymn and I see that it's addressed to a, a multitude of different uh, people, right? Uh, so we're taking the woman at the well who's um, coming thirsty to Jesus, and he's saying, "I'm going to give you this water that will uh, you'll never thirst again. This 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 uh, water that springs up to life, right?" And, um, and here now the, the author of this hymn is trying to offer this to people that are pilgrims, travelers, um, uh, believers who are burdened, repentant sinners, um, those distressed. Uh, so I don't know if you could break it up by that, by putting that in there, you know, the distressed only sing this hymn or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but <laughs> Suppose you could. <laughs> you could. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but, but that seems to make sense to break that up to say like, this is for a multitude of people that's not just kind of directed at, at, at a certain segment, it's saying that Jesus is for, for all of these people. And how do, you, how do you make sure that all those people are hearing this? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you want to hear the, 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 um, uh, the quote, what's in quotations as something other than, than the prayer. Um, certainly, you can read, I think, the, the scripture reading for the weekend and think, well, Jesus there is offering that to the woman, and isn't that nice that she was, you know, so moved to go tell everybody about this and people come to faith. But here, I think the hymn writer wants people to know this is not just for the woman at the well, but for, for the many others you mentioned, um, uh, thirsty, weary, burdened sinners. Um, and so how we hear that. I also think um, rather than sort of being a laundry list of people that Jesus could offer living water to, <laughs> right, which is you know, not, not altogether a bad thing, there's a little more going on here in relationship to the woman at the well. And some, some of the stanzas work better than others. Um, but, you know, in the passage we hear about um, Christ being quite weary, and we know the, the, the woman is no doubt tired of her own need to, to go and collect water and also to hide her sin, right? She, she does her best to do this and say, well, I have no husband. Jesus is up, but I know a little bit more about you. Um, and so uh, this weary travelers um, and those um, even uh, repentant sinners um, is in a way, of course, it's, it's, it's going to reference the people singing this at the time. Um, and place where where you might be, but but I think that also ties together well with um, what we're going to pull out of this text in a sermon to be able to say, um, you know, this is somebody who had their sin named, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think we think Lent is a time where we're all going to gather and maybe reflect on our sin a little bit, talk about it, and then go back out into the world. Kind of, kind no, of, Jesus, kind of like a plant, right? Jesus, water it, and think yes, about it, and think about on. it a little <laughs> bit. Um, we're a little thirsty. Jesus has a little water. A little water. <laughs> but but instead, I I think really what we can say is uh, no. In the heat of the day, uh, where everybody's going to gather, um, Jesus says, "Here, I'm going to call your sin out." You know, and and, and this is actually. Um, uh, what Lent is 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 there to do? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's really important. As you look even further into the text, the, the disciples are the ones who come and say, "Stop doing that! You can't you can't be a part of this." Sure. Right? Yeah. They're trying to stop right, right. that that uh, living water coming to to people to to limit that to who it goes. And so, even this hymn, even though it might seem like a laundry list, actually is a way of pushing beyond that to say, "No, Jesus is going beyond our our uh, our barriers and limits to say, no, this word has to go out. It's not just for you here." in the assembly. It's mm-hmm. for the world to hear. Sure. Yeah. And so I think like stanza three, for instance, burdened believers, there's there's something nice in that too, that um, uh, it's for those who, who have heard God's word and yet come back and say, uh, is this for me, right? right. It, it, it is in this hymn. Um, also, we, we think we come to church and... Um, Got to have everything buttoned up and pu- and put together. Um, but Christ's compassion here is not uh, is not uh, for those who arrive without sin, but then uh, for those uh, for whom sin has been named. Right. The, right. So in in this, I, I kind of I, I actually think this is helpful in 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 saying what divine compassion is. Right. It's not sort of ooey gooey love, <laughs> but but for repentant sinners. Um, uh, that are coming burdened with guilt, um, right. and and the living water, which we, we probably can reference again, baptism here. Um, that uh, this is what is going to quench your thirst uh, for much much longer than you know noon one day, noon the next. So, yeah, I, I like the way you said that because so often compassion gets gets guised as kind of uh, God being mushy for you, right? Right. Uh, like, oh, you know, yeah, you did some things wrong and yeah, you're a sinner, but, uh, I'll be okay with that rather sure. than no, the divine compassion is taking all of your guilt and shame, all of this sin, uh, dying with it mm-hmm. so that you would ha- have it no longer. Yeah. So that it truly is divine compassion is not just God having, um, a, you know, a, a beating heart for you. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, God saying, um, I love you so much that I die for you. Uh, and in so doing, I take your death so that death and resurrection become what we're talking about here, which is what Jesus is meaning by this water that gushes up to eternal life, to end this uh, and to find that that life that, that does not end. Yeah. And so the remaining stanzas, um, really, I, uh, if you look at like stanza six, I I think you know there's there's easy ways you can get sort of um, sidetracked in the woman being a Samaritan. Not that these details are unimportant, right? But she was a woman, and um, again, it's outcast. When you when you start singing about those who are abandoned and orphaned, um, she would have fit the bill with five husbands, but none at the moment, and <laughs> a Samaritan woman, and. Um, uh, Christ is going to offer this person uh, abandoned by the world, orphaned by the world, uh, living water. So I think there are ways you can tie many of these stances both back to the text as well as um, as those who are who are actually hearing this scripture read and are going to turn around and sing this hymn.
So um, finally, that the refrain acknowledges, of course, that it's a prayer, right? Asking for this water to be given to us, knowing or trusting what what Christ is giving there. Um, uh, joy, the gift of uh, new life and the joy that comes with that because he's the savior, which is finally what the text has to say. So I think more than say um, last week's hymn where where John 3.16 is fairly well spelled out and you get a nice theological unpacking, this is a little bit more on the artsy musician <laughs> side of things and needs a little bit more preaching around it, but I think um, you can work with it. And um, it gives... Um, uh, it's just a, a, a different kind of a text, right? With some quotations and, and a response. Thanks for joining us this week on Sing to the Lord. Check the show notes for Zachary's stanza-by-stanza commentary, as well as a list of other hymns we recommend. See you next week.